0: Well, hi, I'm Joel McMahon and I'd like to welcome you to this, our Easter 2021 podcast from San Philip United Methodist Church. As we get started today, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Oh Lord, as we bow before you during this Easter season, we thank you for the message of the resurrection. We thank you that uh, it uh, just shows just how wondrous your power is, that nothing is beyond you. Not even death can keep us from you, and not even death can defeat us. We thank you, O God, that uh, you have made a way for us to have life everlasting through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Lord, we uh, just welcome this time when we can look and ponder at the resurrection anew at this time. But before we do that, Lord, there are people who need your power in their lives today in different ways. There are those who are listening and watching who are ill at this time. And we pray, oh God, that you would touch them and heal them. There are those who are facing different difficulties relationally, emotionally, uh, financially, Uh, just uh, things going on in their families, uh, things in their lives that are just challenges that they can't handle on their own. But oh God, we see through your resurrection of, of, of our Lord Jesus, that nothing is beyond you. And so Lord, I just hold up every one of these that has a need and as they name their needs before you in their hearts, that you would touch them, that you would help them, that you would grant them an assurance that you are involved in what they're doing and what they're facing, and you are going to make a way where it seems that there's no way. You are healing, Lord God. We praise you for that, and you are helping. We praise you for that, too. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, our scripture lesson this morning is found in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and we're going to be looking at the 1st through the 23rd verses. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, "'because I persecuted the church of God. "'But by the grace of God, I am what I am, "'and of his grace toward me, it did not prove vain, "'but I labored even more than all of them, "'yet not I, but the grace of God with me. "'Whether then it was I or they, "'so we preach and so you believed.' now if christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead not even christ has been raised and if christ has not been raised then our preaching is vain your faith also is vain moreover we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, After that, those who are Christ's at his coming. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, many years ago, Decades and decades ago, a family lost their two very young children uh, to uh, an epidemic that was sweeping the country back then, Uh, much like the COVID-19 virus is sweeping our land today. They only were left with one living child, and the children were lost just within a couple of days of each other. And on the Wednesday before Easter, they buried their two little ones. And then on Easter Sunday, the father, the mother, and their remaining little child were in church. The father, Mr. Brown, carried out his duties as Sunday school superintendent. The mother taught her Sunday school class and she taught a great lesson of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection and what it meant to us. The father led the congregation in singing the Easter hymns in worship and both father and mother sang those hymns with joy on their faces that obviously came from deep within their hearts. Later on, as one family was driving home, a little girl said to her father, Daddy, the Browns really believe in Easter, don't they? And the father replied, Well, of course, honey. All of us Christians believe in Easter. And then the little girl said, No, I mean, they really believe in Easter. Well, this is a time when uh, I, 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 well, I've got to share with you that I ran across a very encouraging statistic the other day. The first part of that statistic was that 66% of the people in the United States 66% of all the people in our country right now believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And 89% of those who attend in church who attend church believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. Now there have always been, as we can see in our scripture this morning, those who doubt the resurrection. There are those who ascribe to the swoon theory that Jesus really just passed out on the cross and they just thought he was dead and uh, they wound up uh, uh, not, uh, uh, not killing him after all and then the, his, his, whenever his disciples found him, they whisked him away. Others believe that he just appeared to be dying on the cross; that really it was just a mirage, or uh, just just some sort of a of a of a 3D uh, phenomenon that that God just just projected more or less; that it wasn't. It's was like a hologram; that Jesus never really was bodily on the face of this earth, that that was all just uh, appearance. And then there are those who believe that there was a a mass hallucination that occurred among the disciples, that Jesus was dead and buried in the tomb, and that all that they uh, saw was just a mass hallucination, that all the disciples thought they saw Jesus, but really it was just a hallucination brought on by their great desire for him to be alive. Well, uh, uh, there have been all these different theories going on, but let's face it, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most historically recorded events ever. He really died. He really died and he uh, really rose from the dead. And lots of times on Easter, it seems like I wind up spending time trying to prove the resurrection. I'm so glad to recognize that such a vast majority of the people in the church and in our country really believe in the resurrection. So today I wanna talk about something different. I wanna just share with you three things that I see that the resurrection gives to us. First of all, it is a tremendous revelation of the power of God. <clears throat> In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see a clear demonstration of the incredible power of God. Ephesians, the first chapter of the 19th and 21st verse, or 19th through the 21st verses, tells us that it is the power of our heavenly Father that raised Jesus from the dead. God brought Jesus' lifeless body back to life. And this is a point that some people just don't want to dwell on. The fact that Jesus was really dead. His body was lifeless. All life activity had ceased. He was not just in a state of suspended animation. He was really dead. His heart had stopped beating. Blood had coagulated in his veins, and his body was going through all the processes we all start to go through in death. There was a woman who wrote J. Vernon McGee a long time ago and said, our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just swooned on the cross and the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? And McGee replied, Sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. Put him in an airless tomb for three days and then see what happens. The thing is, it has been attested that he was really dead. Satan has tried to... uh, 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 do away with this but it just shows the great power of our God we have a God let's face it who can create something from nothing in fact there's a fictional story that pretty well brings that out uh, Cares a lot of truth about a scientist that told the Lord Lord we don't need you anymore science has figured out a way to create life out of nothing in other words, we can now do what you did in the beginning. And God replied, oh, is that so? Tell me more. And the scientist said, well, we can take dirt and form it and breathe life into it. And God said, well, that's interesting. Show me. So the scientist bends down to the earth and he starts to mold the soil. And then God interrupted and said, oh, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. And that's just it. God created everything from nothing. One of the greatest and most miraculous uh, attestations of God's existence to me is the fact that we exist ourselves. The fact that somehow, something and someone came out of nothingness. It came from God, You see, the resurrection shows us just how powerful our God really is, and it shows his power over death. And this is why uh, it's so important that we not just skip over the fact that Jesus' body was dead in the tomb and move on to the fact that, oh yeah, his spirit was really busy while he was in the tomb, while his body was dead, his spirit was busy. He went down into, into Hades, into paradise, and he preached to those who had died before uh, the, the Lord uh, hung on the cross. All of those that came before, all of those prophets, and all of those that told of his coming, they received salvation just as we did through the cross of Jesus. He went and preached to those who were held in, in the, the holding place of the dead, and let them know about the resurrection, shared the gospel with them, and gave them an opportunity to receive him as Lord and Savior just like we have the opportunity. He reached back into history and he reaches forward into history through the cross and brings us all to that point to where our sins are forgiven right there. I love what uh, T. DeWitt Talmadge says, It just expresses my heart so well. (laughs) I'm glad I have a kindred spirit. He says, God made Adam. He was not fashioned after any model. There never had been a human organism, and so there was nothing to copy. At the first attempt, God made a perfect man. He made him out of the dust of the earth. If out of ordinary dust of the earth and without a model, God could make a perfect man. Surely out of extraordinary dust of mortal body, and with millions of models, God can make each one of us a perfect being in the resurrection. Surely the last undertaking would not be greater than the first. See the gospel algebra? Ordinary dust minus a model equals a perfect man. Extraordinary dust and plus a model equals a resurrection body. Mysteries about it? Oh yes, that is one reason why I believe it. It would not be much of a God who could do things only as far as I can understand. Mysteries? Of course, but no more about the resurrection of your body than about its present existence. Amen. So, the resurrection just reveals to us just how powerful our God really is. And it's a God that we can trust. And uh, and the next thing, there's a proof that we're on the right path. First we see God's power and next we see that the resurrection reminds us that we are on the right path by choosing to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's a story told of an African Muslim who became a Christian. His friends asked, why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you didn't know which way to go. There at that intersection, there at that fork in the road were two men. One dead one alive. Who would you ask which way to go? Now in my neighborhood we have two intersections that I have to stop at at, on a regular basis. Both of them have traffic lights. One of them is just uh, green and red, just your generic traffic light. No arrows for turning or anything like that. Now, the people who live on the side of that intersection, opposite from us, in another subdivision, seem to have grown up in a different place than most of us. See, I was taught that uh, people turning left yield to the people who are going straight ahead. Left turn always yields to those who are coming straight through. But uh, a lot of these people that are coming from the other side have demonstrated that they think that oncoming traffic is supposed to yield to people making left-hand turns in front of them. And needless to say... I have learned to be very cautious at that intersection. Now, it does add a little excitement to life and a little stress, too. But uh, I I just was thinking about that and then this other intersection. You see, the other intersection is green, or when the other intersection is green, uh, well, I'm going to say this again. The other section is green and red lights with turning arrows. And not only that, But only one side of that intersection has green lights at a time. So when you have a green light and it's your turn to go, all the other three uh, sides, all the other three directions, those people, they have red lights and they don't move. And so when it's your time to go on green, all the other lights are red, and so Uh, I've learned that I can proceed safely through that intersection in peace. And it dawned on me as I approached uh, uh, the peaceful intersection the other day, that the feelings that I have as I approach these two intersections are a good example of the difference of feelings of different kinds of people as they approach death. One intersection, the one that just has the generic lights, is uh, the feeling that you feel there is the way a lot of people feel as they approach death. They're anxious. It's iffy. They don't know what to expect. And yet, when it comes to the other intersection, we come to, to it with confidence. And those of us, you see, who really believe in Easter come to the point of death come to that point with, with, with peace. We have peace because we know what's going on on the other side and beside us. We know that we can proceed and that everything is gonna be okay. As I prepared for this lesson this morning for this uh, message today, I remembered a dear friend of mine who was a great example of what is sometimes called Easter faith, which is a sure confidence of one's salvation and eternal life. He had a great faith and he had a great sense of humor, and uh, I'll give you an example of his humor. One day he was uh, at the dentist's office and he had uh, uh, he, t- he took his toothpaste or his toothbrush with him. And always brushed his teeth before he went to the dentist uh, so that uh, the hygienist wouldn't have to mess with that. I heard about a guy tell the other day uh, about how he had a crush on his dental hygienist, and so he always chomped down on a, a whole sack of uh, Oreo cookies before he went in so he could spend more time with the girl he had a crush on. But this guy, but this this friend of mine, as the dentist was fi- finishing up with him said now uh, mr so and so everything's okay but i can tell you need to replace your toothbrush and my friend took his toothbrush out of his pocket and said what replace my toothbrush this was my father's toothbrush and his father's before him and you're telling me i need to replace my and at this point in time, he's laughing as he's telling me this. He said, there were faces hanging over the partition, people peering around the, uh, the wall of the partition, people standing in the doorway listening. All these hygienists and, and dentists had all gathered around to see the man who was still using his grandfather's toothbrush one that had been handed down through the ages. Of course, he was just joking, and he thought it was great fun. That was his sense of humor, and I loved his sense of humor. One day, I heard that he'd been ill, and I called just to see how he was doing, and my friend informed me that he was terminally ill. MD Anderson, the cancer hospital in Houston, had dismissed him saying that there was nothing more to be done. He told me the doctors had given him three to six months to live. And of course this saddened me. We never want to lose our friends and our loved ones and and we don't want them to go through hard times. But after telling me of his condition, he quickly added, it's okay though, Joel. We all have to die sometime. I just know more about when, and I know I'll be okay. And I knew what he meant. You see, my friend was originally from Germany and he wound up in Texas in connection with his job. And on several occasions, he mentioned to me that he loved Germany, he loved his his homeland, but he had had to come to the United States in order to find God. And you see, it was during a walk to Emmaus retreat that I was instrumental in getting him to attend and that I participated in, that he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And you know, from that point on, he was a bright light that grew brighter uh, in the Lord and he grew continuously in the Lord from that point on. And this dear friend you see, demonstrated what it really means to be a Christian. He lived as one who is prepared to die, and as he was dying, he died as one who goes forth to live. And he could do so because he had an assurance of his salvation and faith in the power of God. Now, how about you? Have you come to that place in your spiritual life where you can say for certain that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? As your pastor, it's my desire that each of you have the same confidence as my dear friend. And the good news is that you can. Because, you see, we have not just a revelation of the power of God, and not just a proof of the power of God, but we also have a promise that is confirmed through the power of God. And you can, because you have this promise, really believe in Easter. You see, the last time Jesus had his disciples together, He told them this, After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. He gave two promises right there. The first part of that promise was to his disciples that were right there with him. When he said, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, he kept the first part of this promise to them, just as he said. After a while, after he died, the world saw him no more. But after his resurrection, they got to see him. And they got to spend time with him. Forty days he stayed with them after he rose from the dead. And you see, the rest of that promise Is for all of us. When Jesus said in his resurrected body, well, I'm sorry, as he he prepared to go to die and to be resurrected again, he made this promise to us because I live, you shall live also. And now he lives. He rose from the dead, and he says, because I live, you shall live also. That promise is for you. That promise is for me. It's a promise we know Jesus will keep because we know his power, and we have the proof. Now, if you have been fearful of death, and you haven't really personally appropriated what he did on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and received his offer of eternal life, I ask that you just pray with me right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I bow before you at this time and I thank you that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins so that there would be no enmity between me and my creator, God. Thank you, God, that you made a way where I could never make a way. Thank you, O Lord Jesus, for going to that cross and dying for my sins. And I receive what you did on that cross as being for me. I receive the forgiveness that you offer me through that cross. a a, a, a forgiveness I can never earn all I can do is just receive it as the wonderful, loving, free gift that it is and so Lord, I thank you I thank you for dying for my sin and Lord, I thank you that you rose from the dead and that you offer me eternal life and now then as you give eternal life to me, I give my life to you. And I thank you that I know now that I will never die. Thank you for eternal life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'd appreciate if you'd give me a comment below so that I'll know about it. Uh, and also... Uh, If there's something else that you'd like for me to be praying with you about, or if you need counseling, I'll be happy to help you. Just uh, leave me a, a comment below, and we'll make a way to get in touch. Goodbye, and God bless until next week.